BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one size fits all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits and I'm bringing it to you real and unfiltered. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is a really fun one, whether you're dating, in a relationship, married, single, in a situationship, whatever your case may be. It's super interesting. It's pretty funny at times and full of wisdom from my guest, Maria Avictidis, aka Matchmaker Maria. Maria is the CEO of Agape Match. It's an award-winning matchmaking service based out of NYC. And she's also the host of the Dating and Relationship podcast, Ask a Matchmaker. She is a trailblazer in the dating industry. She provides an intuitive perspective to help guide singles out of dating fatigue and into fun, happy, and healthy relationships. Maria's dating advice has been featured on the New York Times, the Washington Post, Good Morning America, the Today Show, Esquire, Elle, and many other outlets. She has met over 10,000 people and helped set up over 4,000 first dates. She combines strong intuition with matchmaking methodology to leverage each client's unique attachment style and preferred love language. Better known, as I said, as matchmaker Maria on social media. She has also answered over 5,000 questions on her Ask a Matchmaker Wednesdays on her Instagram stories. She also has a lot of those saved, so go check those out and provides clarity in dating and relationships for thousands of singles. So in this episode, we get into all things dating, relationships, obviously, how to meet somebody on or offline, what to do, what not to do, what to look for compatibility-wise when looking for a long-term partner, dating, non-negotiables, sex, and so many listener questions. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Okay. Welcome, Maria. So excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. To start out, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do, how you came to be a matchmaker, about your business, all of that. Oh, wow. That's a lot of questions. Uh, a lot of questions at once. <laughs> uh, I am a professional matchmaker. I uh, own a copy match, which is a matchmaking service based in New York City. Our tagline is executive matchmaking for exceptional singles. And we provide matchmaking and coaching solutions. We also have um, quarterly retreats for our coaching program, the Agape Intensive. How I became a matchmaker, uh, the short story is that I'm a fourth generation matchmaker. And uh, my grandparents, uh, they were matchmakers and so were their grandparents. Of course, we get paid very differently. They got paid in goat and (laughs) I get paid in cash (laughs) Uh, or money rather. And, you know, they set up people in their village Whereas I set people that are strangers to me, I don't really know their whole life history or who their parents are. And, um, you know, a little bit more blind, uh, flying blind in the beginning as I get to know my clients and um, figure out, you know, not only what their value set is and their temperament is, but also, you know, what are their three, five, 10, 20 year goals and how I can be of service to make, you know, those things happen. How have you seen the 
kind of dating experience, relationship experience change over the years, if at all? I mean, I've been married and in a relationship for like seven years. So when I first started or right before I got together with my husband, I was a little bit on the apps. Like they were just kind of becoming a thing. There was like Bumble and Tinder and that was really it. There were obviously the websites, but I feel like nowadays, and you can answer this, I'm sure, it seems like you kind of have to be on an app to meet somebody. Whereas like I met my husband, not on an app. So how have you seen just kind of the landscape change over the years and how has that affected people who are looking to find a relationship? So there's been like five waves of online dating things happening uh, in the last 30 years. But let's talk about dating first. Like dating on itself is a very new concept, right? People didn't necessarily date prior to, let's say, 1980, uh, maybe even 1990, right? There was more courting. Like you knew this person or you had a friend who knew this person you met through friends or you met at something that you were both supposed to be at. And then you courted each other. And then you maybe got into a relationship and then maybe you got married. And the timeline was also a lot more quicker. And, and frankly, because you met through friends or because you met at a church or at a, a social event, you know, you could say that you might have aligned a little bit more uh, on the value set. And also, you know, matching, there was also a lot more homogeneous. You, send, you tend to see people prior to 1980, not, you know, the norm was not interracial dating. The norm was not interfaith dating. You, people tend to date it around their neighborhoods and, uh, and, you know, with who they knew, who they were familiar with. And you start to see, you know, a lot of new waves in dating with the introduction of online dating. So suddenly in 1990, 1995, you know, depending on if you include Yahoo Personals or Match.com, but you have the introduction of online introduction sites. And, uh, and, you know, and, uh, and with that, you know, you have people with the capacity to search a zip code and search a ethnicity or search a faith um, and find people that they might want to meet. And online dating was still very taboo then. And then the people that were doing online dating were, um, were people that, you know, finally got a computer. Like there was this opportunity to meet new people and, you know, you're meeting strangers. It was a very weird time then. The second wave is um, the introduction of online dating apps. And suddenly, you know, it's like funny, like OkCupid in 2008, I remember being a little bit taboo. Like, uh, like you, I remember being an OkCupid in 2008 and being like, I'm an OkCupid. Like you're kind of <laughs> telling your coworkers like, hey, this is what's happening. I'm really excited. And trying to convince your parents like, yeah, this is normal. It's okay. I'm online. But then in 2010, uh, until, until between 2010, 2012 is like the second wave of online dating, which is like suddenly um, more and more people had an Apple iPhone in their pocket. And suddenly that iPhone had access to a marketplace where you could download an app. And suddenly this idea of like, you know, before people were online dating with a desktop, like they sat down and they were concentrating on online dating. And now you were doing it on the line at Starbucks or on the Mm -hmm. toilet or in between commercials or forget the commercials. There's no more commercials. Netflix started House of Cards. You were watching it when you were re-watching a scene or bored, you know, watching another episode of Friends. Like suddenly online dating became a hobby, something to do. It became entertainment. The third wave of dating is the introduction of Tinder. And suddenly it's, you know, swipe, hot or not, that sort of thing where this thumbing thing became a thing. Not thumbing, swiping. Thumbing is very much part of Instagram, but, and I think Hinge does that really well, but Tinder was very much a swiping place and and the trademarking of that and the, the activity of that, of quickly judging people based on anything to dismiss them. I think one of the most accurate scenes of online dating is, watching Pete Davidson doing it in the King of Staten Island, the movie. There's a scene where he's online dating and the way he swipes, swipes like a freaking psychopath, but that is a very accurate depiction of how people online date, where you just like swipe, 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 swipe really quickly. I'm sorry, I'm giving you a monologue, but you asked a very loaded question. No, I I, I find it fascinating. So the fourth, and I like- the fourth wave of <laughs> online dating is I think the pandemic. So suddenly you know, people mm-hmm. were swiping, lots of online dating sites are opening, lots of online dating sites collapsed with the introduction of, Hin- of Tinder. Um, but new other, you know, other swiping adjacent apps have come from that as well, right? We have Bumble, we have Hinge, um, and of course, OkCupid and Match holding strong. But with, um, with the introduction of 
the pandemic in our lives, I think people stayed home and they started consuming a lot more relationship content and understanding like what went wrong with their last relationship. I think if you were in a relationship that was meant to break up, you broke up in the in the first six months of the pandemic. I mean, think of any of your friends uh, who may have broken up, they'll tell you, oh yeah, it was then. And it's not people breaking up now. It's like, oh, we did, we got through the first six months. We're okay now. So that was, that was the fourth wave. And what that fourth wave did was pretty detrimental in the sense, I mean, it's actually amazing. Less, I mean, according to match.com singles in America study, more men are interested in being in relationships than women, but not because women are not interested in relationships. Women are a lot more self-aware and educated to tell you, you know what, you're an avoidant attachment style, or you know what, you're a narcissist. And I am not interested in being in a relationship with someone who has these sorts of qualities. Like they're way more educated in their dating lifestyles and their dating perspective and their dating opportunities than men. So they're more, they are hopefully more inclined to say no to people who are not good actors online. So that's like the fourth wave of dating. And then this fifth wave of dating has been kind of happening adjacent to the last five years, like with the third and the fourth wave. And that is the introduction of Gen Z. And I know Gen Z is probably people under 28, but let's just say it's people under 32 for a minute. The people under 32 who um, who are dating right now, who are single, they've never experienced analog dating. They don't remember what it was like to go to a club without a cell phone or to meet through friends without a cell phone in your pocket. Or if you had a cell phone, the capabilities were T9 texting. Like, you know, there were no apps. There was just texting and you had to have their number. You, had a, you know, people under 32, they've never even memorized their parents' phone number. So they don't understand, they don't remember or recall analog dating. And why is that important? You know, you could say, oh yeah, I meet through friends all the time. You're right. But the social discovery of people over 32 and under 32 is, two different planets, right? I remember being 23 and if I was at a bar and if my friend went to the restroom, I could guarantee someone was going to come and talk to me. And even though I'm 5'11 and voluptuous, someone was going to come and talk to me and maybe even buy me a drink and, and then talk to my friend, maybe buy her a drink, right? But now when people go to the bathroom, that person that stays behind, they're not, there's no one to come talk to them because those people are distracted by their phone or with the person they're with. Or when their friend goes to the bathroom, they also take out their phone telling other people, I'm unavailable for you to come and talk to me. So analog dating is kind of dead. So to answer your question now, like, well, obviously online dating has certainly affected things, but to not online date in 2022 is to not have it is like not having an email. And mm. it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a really great tool. And as a matchmaker, I don't own an online dating site, not, not, no, not yet, at least if I don't know if that's in my future, but I am a matchmaker and I work with people who don't want to experience extreme dating fatigue, which is what wave four and wave five, I think have done is create this extreme sense of dating fatigue that they kind of tap out. They're like, you know what? I'd rather just put my I'd rather sign up for Maria's database and just be considered as a free member in her database. Or I'd like to hire Maria and she do it for me. Just tell me what first date and second date I should go and I'll be there and I'll get mm -hmm. the feedback. Like, you know, they want to outsource it to someone else instead. And, and that, that has existed at all times at every wave, I think. But I think with the more awareness that this exists uh, has certainly um, only increased. But again, I think online dating and matchmaking, we're not in competition to each other. There's just some people who cannot online date. And they will come mm -hmm. to us. And I don't mean they can't like, they can't physically. There's just people who have such a high value on their privacy mm -hmm. um, that they have to, that sometimes the only choice is matchmaking if they don't have opportunities through friends, right? Like I have a lot of right. C-suite executives or entrepreneurs who are, it's like the value of time. Like I'm too busy to swipe, but also the value of privacy. Mm -hmm. Like I just can't have my students or my employees knowing that I'm on, you know, some online dating site. Right. So you may or may not know that I have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I've talked about it in the past. And when I do talk about it, I get so many messages from other women who either have been diagnosed with PCOS or have symptoms and suspect that they may have PCOS and are looking for advice. And so I really want to tell you guys about Alara, which is the first virtual care platform for people with PCOS. It's so much more common than people realize. In fact, it affects up to one in five women, but most women aren't getting the care 
they need. So if you're having any like unexplained frustrating symptoms like weight gain, anxiety, hair thinning, it could be your hormones. And this is why it's so important to get your hormones tested, but it can be hard to get the testing that you need. So Alara makes it super easy with the most comprehensive hormonal and metabolic blood test on the market today. Not only will they cover over 30 biomarkers, but you'll have a 30 minute doctor visit to review your results and find out the root cause of your symptoms. But Alara doesn't stop there. They also provide you with the expert care you deserve to actually treat and improve your symptoms. They have expert doctors and registered dietitians who will personalize all of your care needs and deliver all of your care in the comfort of your home. So as somebody who suffers from PCOS, I definitely wish I had known about Alara sooner. They offer a truly integrated approach to diagnosing, managing, and treating PCOS by combining nutrition, lifestyle, and medical expertise all in one place instead of, you know, just going the medication route, which is really common, unfortunately. Alara was founded by someone with PCOS, so they get exactly what you're going through and the care and support you need is right there. They're also going to give you a special discount. So if this is something you guys want to check out, you can use the code Ariel at checkout for 25% off your first month or diagnostic test. So just visit alarahealth.com slash Ariel for more information. That's www.allarahealth.com slash Ariel. I know a lot of you guys are always on the hunt for some good, clean, vegan, and cruelty-free makeup. Trust me, I get the struggle. I feel like a lot of the brands that fall into that category make products that are pretty underwhelming, but I am obsessed with this brand, Thrive Cosmetics. So Thrive Cosmetics makes high-performance beauty and skincare products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. There are no parabens, sulfates, or phthalates. And cause is in the name for a reason. Every purchase supports organizations that help women thrive. So a few of my game changer products. I love the eyeshadow stick. So I am not a good makeup applicator and eyeshadow sticks are my favorite thing ever because I do a swipe on each eyelid and then I'm done. And this one has such a nice consistency. It doesn't smudge during the day. I also love their blush. So the Cosmo Power Multidimensional Strobing Blush. I love a rosy cheek right now. I feel like it just makes you look so fresh and youthful and this blush in the shade Rosy is the perfect shade. It's the perfect pink with a little bit of copper mixed in. So it's great for that glowy, dewy summer look. But I have to say the real MVP here is the Liquid Lash Extension Mascara. I am so particular about mascara and I feel like a lot of them are just way too intense for my eyes. They get clumpy, they're impossible to get off or they smudge. So this one is amazing because it literally mimics the look of lash extensions, but like subtle lash extensions, not fake and lasts all day without smudging or flaking. But when you want to take it off, the tubing formula just slides off with warm water and a washcloth. So you don't even need to use soap or harsh products. The formula also nourishes your lashes. So unlike other mascaras or extensions, you're actually helping your lashes grow and stay healthy versus damaging them. And then as if all of that weren't enough, Thrive Cosmetics has the Bigger Than Beauty promise where with every purchase, they donate to causes that help women thrive. So if you're interested, you can go to their site and see their giving partners, but they include causes such as women emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, and more. So now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash blonde. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S.com slash blonde for 15% off your first order. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. You know, one of the most common questions that I got when people sent in questions were, if I don't want to be on apps, how can I meet somebody? And it sounds like, you know 
like you said, it's like not having an email. Well, there's a lot of other ways to meet new people, right? Like I think one of the best ways to meet people, like there are five ways to meet people, right? Online dating, through work, which don't recommend. But if you do date someone that you've known for more than six months at work, there is a 34% chance you'll end up married to them. I think it's 30 or 34%, Hmm. but whatever, let's say 30%, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But don't do that. Like, you know, meeting someone (laughs) through work, that's like, that can be really hard for women like in the future. So I would, I would, that's something I don't recommend. The third way to meet someone is obviously through a matchmaker. Hello. But the fourth and fifth are out and about and through friends. And I think these two things, I don't think we invest enough in and and like out and about, you know, like I just said before, like there's a whole generation that doesn't know analog dating, but they do know activities. They do know where to put the phones away. And so instead of necessarily saying, oh, I'm going to go meet someone at the bar, which is not really an option for anyone anymore. I would say do fun stuff that might be located at a bar. And what that means mm-hmm. is like, go on Eventbrite and go to meetup and check out what events are happening in your city. Is there a tech pitch event, like, you know, where people can pitch to investors. Cause there's usually a networking hour before or after and, or a bar event before or after you can meet people that were at the event that were not pitching. They're just there to watch people pitch really cool ideas to investors. I love that as a, as an activity to do or join an improv class or join a media, you know, a, um, what's called creative writing class or go to the lectures at independent bookstores. When an author comes that you can learn a lot about people when they, so depending on the author that they go to, so there's, there's different things to do and they usually get listed on Eventbrite or Meetup. You know, I have this one client who started Adventurous Eaters in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. as a result, you know, she goes, she, she hosts a dinner event once a month, different, you know, different venues in New Orleans. And I think it's a great place to meet new people because it's not just about meeting someone that you could be romantically involved with. It's about increasing your network to increase, increase opportunities, right? Every person is an opportunity for you to meet someone special. Even if it's mm-hmm. another person who becomes your friend, there's an opportunity there. Right. Yeah. So maybe you don't do what I did, which is before I started dating my husband, I would just go kind of troll like Whole Foods and Erwan. Erwan is in LA. Yeah. It's like Whole Foods, but you know, and I knew like the days I'd be like Sunday at like Sunday evening is like when they're done doing whatever they're doing with their friends and they're going and they're doing their shopping for the week. And this, 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 and I would like, Thursday, I was like, I'm there. I didn't meet anybody that way. But see, you're pretty. So you can do that, right? Like there is a sort of pretty privilege that comes in dating, but if you're Mm -hmm. like, how tall are you? Five, five. All right. So you're, you're, you're an average height and and Mm -hmm. you're beautiful. And and this is not a dispute, right? But like, there are a lot of women who don't feel comfortable strolling through Whole Foods or supermarket was to be like, are you the help? You know, and I say this as someone who's five foot, five foot 11 and voluptuous. Like I mm-hmm. immediately am, uh, a lot of men are not interested in, in me just based on those two quantitative facts. However, there are a lot of men that are interested in me based on those two things. So I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I think the problem, like I think Whole Foods can be a great idea when you were dating, when you were single, right? But right now yeah. everyone's got AirPods on. Yeah, I know. And, no, it has changed so much. Even yeah. I noticed that everyone's on their phone and everyone's got And I think really good men, they really want women to feel safe when they're in public. Mm. So they're not going to go out up to women when they're shopping because it's like this, this woman does not need to hear my voice. Right. And right. So I think, I think, I think a really great place to meet people is in Starbucks on the line without your, you know, take off your AirPods. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't know. I feel like the reverse engineering of where to find someone I think is brilliant. I think more people should do that, but reverse engineer it with your friends instead. Like write down, like one of the things, this is how I met my husband. I wrote down the things that I want in the future partner that I'm going to have kids with. Like I wrote down, here are the things that the guy that I'm going to have kids with is going to be like, here's what I value. And then I thought, okay, which of my friends is dating or married to someone like this? Because I believe that after the age of 25, birds of a feather flock together. And I could think of two women who were married or dating a man like this. And I went to those men and I said, Hey, next time you're out with your friends, you have to invite me. I didn't ask them to set me up because men's natural response is all of my friends are jerks or idiots. You don't want to date them. Or I don't know if anyone is single. No, no, no. I just said, next time you're out with your friends, please invite me. And a week later, one of those guys was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Boston. I was in New York. I'm going to be in Boston. I, you told me to tell you, I'm going to be out with my friends. I'm going to be out with my friends. Do you want to come? Sure. I came. There were nine guys there. Half of them were in relationships. That's okay. Four of them were not. And they were all great guys, but the one that was my match ultimately ended up being my husband. Wow. So there are ways to meet people. You just have to reverse engineer what you're looking for uh, and, and be completely unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. Well, okay. So for people that are out there and they're on apps and, you know, you mentioned like this kind of snap judgment that everybody's making as they're just swiping, I would imagine like you, you make a decision about whether to swipe on somebody in less than a second or a second, right? Based on what they look like, or I don't know, like the layout of the apps nowadays. But if somebody is trying to meet somebody for like a long-term relationship, they're trying to meet their person. I'm sure it's different for everybody, but what are some things or some tips that you might have for like navigating the app and just the constant influx of options that there are? So, you know, to hack the online dating app to get more optimal swipes, um, it's really important that your first photo is of just you looking into the camera, smiling, um, and, and there has to be a colorful photo. This is not the place to put your black and white studio photography. This is not the place to put in your LinkedIn bio photo. This is a place to put a nice photo of you, hopefully outdoors, smiling into the camera. And if you don't have any, honestly, just prop up your camera on anything and just take a hundred photos and pick your favorite one. And that that'll work. But, uh, you know, it's bust up. So it doesn't have to be, I don't need you to be full body size here. And your second photo should be a full body size. And those first two photos should be a very accurate depiction of what you look like today. So, you know, when that said that, that really helps with people kind of putting their best foot forward, filling out the prompts and, you know, making, giving it unique answers, not the right answer, but the unique answer is also incredibly important. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's this one prompt on Hinge that's like the hallmark of a good relationship is, and I've seen people respond to this with the right answer, which is the hallmark of a good relationship is someone who I can be very open and vulnerable with, who supports me and I admire. That's a great answer, but that's not the answer you're looking for online. <laughs> online, everything should be thought of as like a message bait. Like, how can I get people to learn about me and then also self-select who should be messaging me? So if you ask me how I would answer that question, the hallmark of a good relationship is where we can... Um, the hallmark of a good relationship is listening to a podcast about serial killers as we drive to our date night at a comedy club followed by sushi and cocktails. I've suddenly given you a picture of what it's like to date me on a Sunday with hmm. that answer, right? And it has nothing to do with like, you know, shared values. That's like the given, that's the given, <laughs> right? It's like, you have to find ways to kind of like be unique online that lets people um, not only self-select like who should be dating you, but also message you about this. Oh my God. Tell me more about the stand-up comedy you like to listen to because, oh, hey, let me tell you, if you tell people that you like stand-up comedy, that's such a great way to not only get people to ask you questions about the stand-up comedy that you like, but also learn about like, what values do we share on this? Because not all comedians are created equal. Right. <laughs> so you can learn about your also intellectual compatibility. Um, I always say like, you know, the kind of person who likes the nuanced humor of Arrested Development, it might not be the same person who thinks that Two and a Half Men is the best sitcom ever made. Mm -hmm. So I won't tell my husband that <laughs> uh, what two and a half. He created two and a half men. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my God. I did not say that. I'm so sorry. That's it's hilarious. Okay. No, no, no. It's okay. I did not know that. Please don't. Oh God. Um, he, wow. He's he's in on the joke. It's okay. I haven't blushed like this in a while. Uh, so great. Whew. That should be in the trailer. <laughs> I want to keep it in if you're okay with it. It's that's fine. No, keep it in. I think that's like the funniest. I am. I'm going to not wait to like group message everyone I know about what I just said. Who's your husband? Tell me more about your husband. <laughs> no, I'm dying. Um, it's funny. Like we'll see reruns come on and he's like, this could like never happen today. No, like, no. Half of the office could not happen today. And I love yeah. Greg Daniels. Like, um, no, I, you know what, you know, what show is, uh, I love, I love, um, like I think has kind of, I think has kind of held up, but it's only cause it knows how to make a joke with itself. I, I think scrubs yeah. has really held up its end of the bargain, uh, in terms yeah. of like timeliness, because, you know, the thing that hurts a lot comes when it comes to like showing relationships and problems mm -hmm. is that there's no, there are cell phones now. Like when you watch Friends, half of the plot lines don't make sense in 2022 because you have mobile phones and a lot of those mix-ups mix -ups just don't, you know, they don't make sense now. Mm -hmm. um, and in Scrubs, because they're doctors, because they can't necessarily be on 
Instagram and Facebook all day. They actually have to take care of patients and put their phones away. A lot of their plot lines really do make sense in, in, in today's world. It's also why Grey's uh-huh. Anatomy has such a headlong run. I think it's like way less of the phone drama, you know, because how much of how much of Sex in the City does it make sense? Old Sex in the City with phones yeah. now, you know? I was watching it last night and I was like, this would never yeah. happen. Like when her friends don't show up for her birthday party and she doesn't hear from them. <laughs> or like, you know, in Paris, when all of those people show up to do that book party, like that would, yeah. they would stick around that, you know, what would have happened in, in 2022? She would show stories at Alexander Petrovsky's gallery and yep. she would say, hey, I'm going to be at the cafe in one hour, just running late. And people would be, first of all, people would be so excited about having a story with Carrie Bradshaw for the clout right. on Instagram and TikTok. There's just no, they would wait three more hours yeah. <laughs> for her to show up at the restaurant. So like That's some so of these true. things don't make sense now. And uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. Anyway. That's interesting about Scrubs and Grey's Anatomy. I never thought of that. Most medical shows make a lot of sense now. Yeah. Like they don't lose their timeliness because there's no cell phones allowed right. in those like areas. ER would probably hold up. <laughs> ER holds up. I mean, honestly, even Law and Order, um, that that holds up so well. I mean, yeah. what makes the last two or three seasons really good is that they don't necessarily solve the crime at the end of, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in most Law and Order SVU episodes, the crime is solved by the end of the episode, mm-hmm. which statistically just does not make sense. The majority of cases do not go solved in a week or two in New York city or in anywhere mm-hmm. in the United States. Cause we don't have to put that many resources on, on, on helping children and uh, disadvantaged people uh, uh, as much as we should. But that being said, the last three seasons, I don't know if there's a new showrunner, but they don't, a lot of those cases don't get solved. They get solved like two years later. They're just like holding on to the plot line. And I'm like, this is good television. Interesting. Uh, sorry. I've taken a complete veer off, but this is interesting to me. So no, I love it. Okay. So Say somebody is on an app, they match with somebody. A lot of people had questions around like, should, if it's like a male, female, should the guy ask the girl out first? Absolutely. 85% of men have responded. They would love it if a woman asked them out first. Okay. Yeah. If the woman, if the woman does. Yeah. Okay. I think it's totally fine. I don't think it, it doesn't matter. Okay. It really doesn't matter. And then my other question was, do you think people should like FaceTime before they actually go out for another date? I know that you say that you should schedule a date within like 24 to 72 hours or something, right? Like very quick so that you don't get into the whole texting thing and then your pen pals and all of that. So can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah. So I, I, I don't want you to become pen pals and I don't want you to share your phone number uh, <laughs> before, you know, like keep as much communication on the app as possible because mm-hmm. we have conducted our own studies that show that like the moment you exchange phone numbers, the, the chances of you meeting in person has de- just decreases significantly. It's one thing to share your number on the day of the date. So like, I know some people, they want to, oh, I need him to confirm on the day of, and if he doesn't, you know, I'm going to cancel the date. No, 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 no. Take away your games. And instead, if you're online dating, you know, here's the trick. What you do is you start, let's say it's Monday, right? Because today is Monday and you, you meet someone today, you message a few messages back and forth. What you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, now, if you feel like you're more, if people over 35 feel actually more comfortable doing FaceTime dates first, and I get it. So they'll say stuff like, hey, do you want to, you would, you would say on a Monday night is, hey, do you want to do a FaceTime date in one hour or tomorrow at 7 p.m.? I'd love to take this. Um, I'd love to, you know, get to know you. Or you could say, hey, you seem really interesting. I'd love to meet you in person. Can you do Tuesday or Thursday at 7 p.m.? Or excuse me, that's way too close. But like, can you say like, can you do Wednesday or Thursday at 7 p.m.? Um, and if you can't date within the next 10 days, just don't go online. That's just my thinking here. Like if you can't meet physically on a date for the next 10 days, don't do that. That's just a waste of everyone's time. You're ego boosting and you're never going to admit it, but you are stop it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so let's say it's a Monday. You say, I want to meet with you. Uh, can you do Wednesday or Thursday? Let's say they respond with, I could do Wednesday. Fantastic. Here's where I'm located to help you with planning. So it's now as a woman, you've asked him out, but now he has to plan the date, which is mm-hmm. genius. And then once he tells you where it is, great. I will, um, I will message you on Tuesday to confirm the date. I can't wait to meet you. Like you stop communicating. And then what you could do on Tuesday, if you feel like you need that confirmation, you could say, Hey, I'm excited to meet you tonight. Here's my phone number in case of emergencies. And that way, like you now, now you have, you know, he has your number. It does not mean anything if he doesn't message you before the date. It just means like, okay, great. Like, that's it. You know, like, that's all you want to hear. I don't need him to text you all that stuff. Now, if he responds back with, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday don't work for me, but this day does, 
that's a great sign. Fantastic. Set up the date. Again, I live in, you know, this neighborhood or this city to help you with planning. If he doesn't respond back with a day or time, and if he says, you know what, I'd really like to just get to keep talking before we do that. You know, that, that's it. That's the end of that. You're going to say, you know what, I'm actually here to meet people offline. And I don't want to, I don't want to have a pen pal, but good luck on your search. Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. forgive this because, you know, mm-hmm. what all you're doing is you're planning ahead. Right. So it's like, what's well, Monday and you can't plan for Thursday. And we could still talk in between that a little bit, but like, you're already saying you're no to my Thursday. You're not interested. This is an ego boost. You're pen paling. I'm done. You don't have to accuse him of that, but there's a way to like, give yourself permission to let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking of You've glazed uh, over Ariel because you don't know what you're, you know, that you don't online date. So it's like, this, well, no, I was, th- right I was now, thinking about is writing it down. I was thinking about a guy that before I was with my husband, obviously, and we, I think I met him on Bumble and we exchanged numbers and we were like texting, 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 like very much pen pals. We did date as well, but we were so good on text. And then in person, we just like, didn't have that same thing. Right. And, but we were so good on text that we like kept dating. But everyone is good on text because you put up this expectations. And you know, if you don't believe me that there's a decrease on you when you texting to like meeting in person, think about the last time you were DMing with someone like DMing on Instagram, like maybe it was like a high school friend or a college friend that you're reconnecting in DMs. And suddenly someone says, Hey, this is my cell phone. Let's connect there. And then you never message them again. This <laughs> happens to everybody once a month. I'm not, you know, so it's like, of course it's going to happen with a stranger. Keep your yeah. communication on the app as much as possible. And don't, I don't want you mess. This is why I keep saying like go on a date within the next 48 to 72 hours. I don't want you marathon texting a stranger because your expectations do get so high that reality is just never going to meet expectations. Mm-hmm. As you probably know, I've been traveling for the last few weeks, eating all the things, all the pasta, all the pizza, pretty much everything you could imagine. So let me tell you how I've been starting my day. This is pretty much a non-negotiable in my routine, no matter what, but especially when I'm traveling and I just don't know what I'm going to be eating, when or where. I like to make sure that I'm getting everything that my body needs before my day even starts. So of course, I'm talking about AG1 from Athletic Greens. So with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, aging, all the things. So I like to have it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach before I have my matcha or coffee or anything. I feel like it gives me just this like little buzz of energy and especially when I'm traveling, like I said, it's so convenient because I just pack the travel packs. They're so tiny. And then I don't have to pack a million supplements, which is such a pain, as you guys know, if you're going anywhere. So it's super convenient. Also, unlike a lot of green juices that you can buy or green drinks, it only has one gram of sugar. It has no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything while still tasting really good. It's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free and It's just this micro habit that has so, so many benefits. So right now, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you are running a business, you know how hard it is to find time to focus on what really matters in life. It can feel like every moment that you're not working is a missed opportunity to make your business better or take care of something or even just to step away and recharge. This is the biggest struggle that I have with running my own business. It's so hard to turn off and have boundaries and find time for regular life away from the business. So ShipStation gives e-commerce sellers like you more time to do what you really love. Unless what you really love is 
managing every single little detail of order fulfillment, which is probably not the case. So ShipStation automates time-intensive shipping processes so you can get back to focusing on bigger things like developing new products, honing your marketing strategy, interacting with customers, or just living your life outside of your business. With all of the time that you get back from using ShipStation, I highly doubt anybody would miss doing all of these shipping tasks manually. So ShipStation works with all your storefronts, Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and more. It lets you automate all the manual work that goes into shipping. You also get deeply discounted shipping rates normally reserved for Fortune 500 companies. And you can easily compare carriers, rates, and delivery times. So it's easy to choose the best option for every shipping scenario. In fact, 98% of companies that use ShipStation for a year keep using it for as long as they're in business because it really does save on really critical parts of business like time and money. So it's time to let go of all those shipping tasks. ShipStation can do it better and faster. You can sign up now using the promo code BLONDE for a free 60-day trial today at ShipStation.com and start saving time with every shipment. That's two whole months of shipping made quick and painless, and it's free to try. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in BLONDE. Make ship happen. I also want to talk about sleeping together on the first date or waiting. I know that you talk about the 12 date rule. So can you explain that to the listeners a little bit? Sure. So um, I don't care, by the way, if sweet people sleep with each other on the first date, second date, third date, that's your business. It's your body. You do what you want. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I used to tell people like, oh, I remember going on a date with a guy and thinking like, oh yeah, there's never going to be a second date. Let's sleep with each other. Like, I didn't, <laughs> you know, ho phase them. I don't care. But, um, but 12 day rules is a method I've created to help women discover if they feel emotionally compatible with the person that they're dating. So I think what happens, not, I think science has shown us that when women, uh, and men have sex, there is a release of the oxytocin hormone and, and women it's, uh, it kind of creates these blinders, like a physical blinder, uh, that does not allow you to see the pink and red flags of a person. And, and, you know, if you're wondering like, oh, I have a friend who's in a bad relationship. How come she can't see that he's so bad? All these red flags because she's digmatized. She had sex and that oxytocin is like no joke. And you can get that at 12 days and get that on the first date. But what if I told you that if you met someone and within, if you were to have sex within the first week, it would take four to seven months to discover if you're emotionally compatible because of that drug. But if you give yourself two or three weeks, which is what typically takes people for 12 dates, and I'll define the 12 date rule in a minute. But uh, if you gave it two or three weeks to get to know someone, you might discover that you're really not into them actually. And that sex could have been a massive distraction and you might not want to keep dating them and break up with them. Or maybe you really do feel like you're emotionally compatible and you know, you want to be, you want to have sex with them. So this is for people who want to be in serious relationships with people that they're, they're complete strangers with. And, and to discover if you're emotionally compatible, I just want you to answer four things. One, what's he like on a bad day? Two, what are they like on a good day? Three. How do they react when you're having a bad day? And four, and this is the most important one. How do they react when you're having a good day? I think like 30% of men are avoided attachment styles. So many men are narcissistic abusers. And a lot of that has to do with other things, but whatever, right? Like they're not to say that women are not narcissists or avoided, but a lot of men are. And, you know, I don't want to put yourself in a position where like you get a promotion and instead of him high-fiving and buying you champagne, he's like, great. Now I'm never going to see you because that happens to a lot of women, right? And, and, and I don't want women to be emotionally incompatible with someone who's just not 100% present support and also, you know, growing their emotional resilience. Now, when I say 12 dates, I think people think you have to physically go out on 12 dates and no, I, I believe a date is anything that is a phone call, a video call or in person that lasts more than 20 minutes. So 20 minutes to three hours, that is what I consider a date. Now, if you go on, um, you can have a maximum of two dates in one day. So let's say you go on a six, uh, an eight hour marathon date. Many people do, right? They go for brunch, then they go for a walk, then they get ice cream, then they go for a movie. That's like a, it's a very typical uh, experience. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have at least once a year. That doesn't mean you went on three dates. That means you went on two dates uh, for that, for that particular day. And it's very easy to get to 12 dates if you're intentional about it. Like if I just told you that a 20 minute phone call counts as a date, you're going to spend time a little bit on the phone to rack up that time for the 12 date rule. But you'll also discover a lot on a phone call, right? And also, if you look at your phone 
history, you'll see that you don't have a lot of phone calls with people for over 20 minutes. So it's intentional to talk to someone for that long, but you're also going to get to know them a little bit better. And you might discover that you really don't want to be with them. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about also like the, the main pillars of compatibility for a long-term relationship? So, yeah, I, you know, this is something that, um, I'm actually having a session on this. I don't know when your episode comes out, but I do have a session on this uh, towards the end of May uh, where I talk a lot more about the five pillars of compatibility. Mm-hmm. But those are things that, you know, that I've that I've kind of, de- uh, let's say I've developed in my office having set up over 4,000 first dates and, you know, <laughs> you know, hundreds of clients that ultimately we tend to be, um, you know, we're compatible between our values and lifestyles, but those things rest between five pillars. And that's, you know, in no particular order, uh, financial compatibility, emotional compatibility, intellectual compatibility, physical compatibility, and spiritual compatibility. And in knowing that, you know, there are ways that I think, you know, a lot of women, they tend to hear, oh, you're picky. And it's like, I don't think people tend to be picky. I think sometimes the picker is broken. You know, we are unable to articulate, you know, what exactly we're looking for. And that's what, um, that's what I tend to fix with our coaching programs with agape intensive, or our retreats or sessions, we tend to try to help women fix the picker. So I don't think, I don't think most women are picky. I think sometimes articulating to reverse engineer that search can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. And do you think that people have to be like equally matched across all five of those things, or can it be a little bit, I don't know if someone is four of them and then like maybe a little bit deficient spiritually or something like that, or does it just depend on the people? And what's like the most important to them? I think, I think everyone, everyone in these pillars is so personal, right? Like if I asked Mm -hmm. you to to fulfill a matrix and I asked your best friend to do it, even though your best friends probably share a lot of values the same, your pillars are going to be filled out like completely different from each other. Mm -hmm. So that is so personal to people. But ultimately, like, I think if you were to look at, you know, who you're with, compatibility shifts, Right. Um, And so you have to give grace to certain pillars at what has happening. So for instance, you know, you obviously ultimately want to be a hundred percent on all, but I always say that at least two pillars are going to probably orbit around 80%, depending on what's happening in your life. If you're, if you have a child and it's sick, even just like with, you know, just a, 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 like a, like RSV and you might end up in the hospital. Does that happen to me and my husband last year, your emotional compatibility does get stressed because not that I'm not compatible with my partner, but there is a stress in life when your parent passes away. Cause eventually our parents will die. You know, your coping mechanism on this is going to affect your relationship with your spouse. Grief can do very interesting things to someone. If you lose your job, um, your financial compatibility might be affected. Your intellectual compatibility might be affected. There are ways to supplement things. Um, if you feel like, you know, emotionally, you're not at hundred percent. And that's something that I think we should all strive for. You can use a couples therapist. There's no shame in using couples therapy to teach you the tools to help communicate with your partner. Same mm-hmm. with financial compatibility. You know, my husband and I, we share a lot of, we're very open with our financial stuff, but we also have a financial advisor to help us figure out the things that we don't know what to do. You know, you have to know, oh, I don't know how to do this. So let's use a financial advisor to teach us these things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in all of these pillars, it's not about finding the perfect person. It's about finding the person that is going to be emotionally resilient with you throughout your life, because Mm -hmm. the ebb and flow of life presents a lot of challenges, right? We we don't, none of us have perfect lives and none of us have perfect days or perfect weeks or perfect months. Our children do get sick. Our parents will die. We might lose our job. We might survive a pandemic. The point is here is like how much of your the design of your relationship can withstand these challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. How resilient is someone going to be with you? I can't remember how you phrased it, but yeah, that's very, very true. Um, So to that point, do you believe that somebody has a perfect match, a soulmate? Do you believe in finding quote unquote, the one, or is it just finding somebody who shares these same values and somebody who you have the same pillars and the same important things and you are compatible in those ways? I think that, you know, when I look at compatibility, I I account for temperament, like, you know, how you do, why you do these things. Um, I look for shared values and lifestyle. 
but I also look for opportunity, right? Like, you know, I don't, I think what soulmate, I think what confuses people is that like soulmate requires that opportunity to exist at that exact moment with that right person. And I think that you might have multiple people that you could have been compatible with. Right. I don't believe in the one and I don't, and I really don't believe in the one that got away. I think that ultimately you're going to find someone that you can stand for a uh, many time, you know, for a long time and someone that you genuinely like. And I think that's actually really important in relationships that the likability factor, right. Mm-hmm. Science has shown that like, I, I know this like study by the NIH has shown in relationship science that like, if you communicate to your partner 10 minutes a day, non-maintenance talk, right? So don't talk about the house. Don't talk about your job. Don't talk about the kids. Don't talk about, you know, the things around the house or whatever, that your relationship can go the distance for a very long time. If you, know, by doing that one thing every day and by just talking to your partner for 10 minutes a day, non-maintenance talk. And I know that might sound like, Oh, why wouldn't I talk to my partner for 10 minutes a day? But yeah, if you see this person for seven years every day, there's a lot (laughs) less things to talk about unless you go out of your way to do likable things. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy to fall in love, but it's very hard to like someone and choose to like someone for the next 40 or 50 years. And same with you, right? It's very hard for someone to like you for the next 40 and 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do likable things as well. It's like funny, like I think my husband and I, we go out of our way to like listen to podcasts and read the newspaper and, um, you know, follow certain YouTube channels that we think are interesting because then we share these things with each other every day. Like when we're having dinner, oh, hey, I read this or hey, I heard about this or what do you think about this? Like my husband and I, we are constantly knowledge sharing. And look, ultimately in our pillars at the top, at the very top for both of us, we wanted someone who was intellectually curious and that works for us. There are other couples who don't have that, but they could talk about other things uh, in those 10 minutes that maybe, you know, defines them in their lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. So do you not believe in right person, wrong time? No, like, uh, no, not at all. Because <laughs> we live in a four dimensional world, right? So like mm-hmm. who Ariel, okay. So if Ariel was standing at the corner of, 36th and 5th Avenue, 36th and 5th Avenue, New York on, on Monday at 7 PM, that counts for four dimensions, right? So now we know your latitude, your long, longitude. We know the time and day. And the fourth is your height. So these are four dimensions, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to stand on that corner a week from now, the thing that's the most different is the time, that fourth dimension. And Ultimately, like for the one that got away, that means that all of the opportunities would have had been the same. Like you are an entirely different person a week from now, right? In that week, you're going to learn new things. You're going to have new conversations. Something about you is going to change. Even if you can't perceive it, something has changed, right? Because you've had another week of life experience. So for the one that got away, all of these opportunities have to exist in the same place. Like I think about people who I've had someone say to me, you are the one that got away. I've had that said to me two times. And it's like, well, no, you decided not to date me at that time based on the opportunities you had at that time available to you. If you wanted to date me right now, like if I were single right now, you and I are still not compatible because I'm no longer interested. Like, Mm -hmm. Or you might, you're, I, you might be interested in me because I'm married and I'm not available to you anymore. But if I were single right now, who's to say that you would still come into that opportunity? You've learned new things in that time. So like, there's a lot of assumptions I think people make when they think of like the one that got away. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in it because that just really ignores the opportunity that existed in that time when you could have dated that person. You made right. a choice. Now you have Like to it was it. intentional. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Okay, well, I want to make sure we get some listener questions in. So, oh, well, I I know the answer to this because I follow you, but when should somebody move in if they're in a long-term relationship? After they're engaged. <laughs> it's easier to break up an engagement than to get out of a lease, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I know people don't believe me, but it's true. Like, like uh, people will stay in really piss poor marriages because they have six months left to their to their. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, was an engagement. It's like, you know, that's usually a reason for, for at least a break too. Yeah. So, um, I would, I would, yeah, I would not leave moving with someone until you're engaged. And if you're like, well, I need to know what they're like. It's like, yeah, go on vacation, go through Ikea. There's a lot of ways to learn what someone is like. You don't have to live with them to discover that you're just, ignoring things. <laughs> you're just ignoring things while you're dating. And you're like, I have to live with them. And it's like, no, most people, yeah. they want to live with each other because they want to like decrease their rent, I think, which mm-hmm. is, I get that that's totally valid. But at the same time, it's like, 
you know, you are, you know, who you marry has such, especially as women has such a effect on your future. I mean, who you marry is the biggest decision you'll make from like a financial perspective. And also from a safety perspective, considering like so many women uh, have been hurt by the partners that are in their homes and mm-hmm. not that that's a woman's fault at all. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but like who you pick is really important because you're also talking about someone who could possibly be the father of your kids or the mother of your kids. And you should not be making that decision the way you would make a decision of who you would be roommates with off of Craigslist. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Somebody said how to get over an ex. I feel like he's the love of my life and I'm heartbroken. It's valid. It's totally valid to feel heartbroken. Um, I think it's okay to sit in those feelings. I think therapy can help as well. Or um, I really do like group travel for this reason. Group travel has such a way of getting people out of their funk mm-hmm. when they're feeling it. And also just like making new relationships to show you like, you know, now you're going to have a whole new life where you meet new people that that person has no idea of. And you can kind of build off of those opportunities of those people. Um, but yeah, it's, it's okay to be heartbroken. It just takes time. Mm-hmm. Is there, I'm sure this is so arbitrary. Is there an amount of time that you think people should wait after ending no. a relationship to get? No. no. Okay. <laughs> but it's okay to date. It's okay to date without the intention of like being, like, you know, you can just date to date and just tell people like, Hey, I know I broke up, but I'm just dating a date, just learning about myself. Mm-hmm. Some people are cool with that. There's a lot of people who just want to date casually too. So, right. but I don't think you need to do that. If you feel like you want to wait, wait. If you feel burnt out, wait. Mm-hmm. But otherwise it's okay to start. Okay. Is it worth it to stay with someone, even though, you know, they aren't quote unquote, the one, I mean, depends on your age. And if they also are not, don't have the same intentions. Like if you're under 25, I think it's okay to date people just to date them. You shouldn't know that they're the one you should just be dating and having experiences. But I think Mm -hmm. if you're over the age of 28 and you, you want to have kids, I wouldn't date someone for more than six months. If I didn't feel like maybe there's a possibility I could be with this person. Like, this is my person. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to know that, but if you already know they're not, I don't know if I'd waste time with that person. Yeah. How to get over a guy you never dated? Four months. Four months. (laughs) I think, I think honestly, I don't have a study on this. I usually like to refer (laughs) to studies, but it's my personal experiences that like crushes tend to last four months. Okay. Put a timer on it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) This person said, I'm divorced. How to get men to be real about whether they want to get married again or not? Ask them, do you envision yourself getting married again? And then whatever answer they give you, believe them. If they're like, oh, I don't know, or uh, maybe, then that's a no. Mm-hmm. They're just trying not to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's okay to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm actually interested in, I want to get married. So if that's not, if you already know, then I don't want to waste your time or mine. It's okay mm-hmm. to be forthright and it's okay to do this in the beginning. Like, I think people are like, oh, I got to wait three months to ask these questions. No, I would ask them like a week in. Not gonna My husband and I had this conversation. Phone calls. That's when you do them. We had it second date. We were like, do you want kids? Do you want to get married? Like, yeah, what's same going thing. On, on my second date. I remember my husband asking me, I don't know what the hell he asked me. I don't remember ever, but <laughs> I remember the answer. I remember thinking like, you know, I would really love my next serious relationship to lead to marriage and kids. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh yeah, me too. And I'm like, cool. And then just moved on. Like it was not a big deal. Like what's yeah. the worst that could happen? He'd be like, that's not for me. Okay. Bye. Like, great. I don't have to date you for six months to discover that. Yeah. Like cancel them out. It's fine. That's how I feel. I feel like people are so afraid of turning the other person off, but it's like, can, can I think that there are dating influencers, let's call them. And I know I'm mm-hmm. one of them, but the difference is that I actually own a dating company and I have plenty of mentors and, uh, I, I read the studies. I'm part of the relationship science studies. Like I am, I'm in this, I live this, but there are other people who have, I call them dating influencers or dating micro influencers because, you know, they're single and they have a podcast and, you know, suddenly they're experts. And I, I appreciate the, the knowledge that they can give about their dating experiences. Right. But I think what a lot of these people do is that they're teaching, not all of them, but a lot of them teach women that it's not okay to chase. When the word chase is being misused, like telling a person what you're looking for in the first two weeks of dating them, that's not chasing, that's not desperation. That's just you being vulnerable and telling people your truth. And it's going to get people to 
tap out and that's okay. I remember I went on a first date with a guy and he said, he said to me at the end of our first date, like, I want to see you again. I can tell you're looking for something serious and I'm not there yet, but I'd love to see you again. I was like, Nope, I believe you, you know, you're right. I am looking for something serious. And I don't expect you to know that, but the fact that you would say that tells me that you're letting me know in your own way that you and I are never going to date. And I thank you for telling me that, you know, so it's, you got to believe people. Yeah. People show you who they are and people tell you who they are and you yeah. have to listen. And I think, I think what happens is people will say like, I think other women would respond to that. And I, that he had told me that that's what's happened to him in the past as well. Cause we had a very honest conversation a few months later, but you know, other women respond and many women do, they'll say stuff like, Oh, well, I'm not looking for something serious. We just met. What are you talking about? Like, I just want to get to know you or, and then they'll think to themselves, like, wait until he sees how I cook, wait until he sees how much fun I am. Wait until he sees how funny I am. Wait until he sees my blowjobs. Like they will convince that they'll convince him to go on dates. And that's, that's actually not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The guy is telling you in the first few dates, like, Oh, I don't know if I believe in titles or I don't really know if I'm there right now. Believe them. Right. Yeah. Okay. So another game is like the texting game, waiting to text. No. And if, okay. Don't do that. <laughs> That's another thing. The, those dating influencers, that army of influencers, they, they do uh-huh. that. They say that like, if he doesn't, if he doesn't confirm by 2 PM, the date is canceled. But if you need to confirm, just text them. But if a guy texts you, if a woman texts you, like just text back. Like, honestly, you know, if you want someone who likes to play games, then by all means play the game. But mm-hmm. if you want someone who has a secure attachment style, when they text you, if you are able to text them back, text them back. If you're not mm-hmm. able, don't worry about it. You'll get to it when you get to it, but you have to teach people how to treat you. And yeah. if you are texting them and it takes them every time, six hours to get back to you, tell them like, Hey, every time I text you, I immediately respond, but it, it takes a really long time for you to get back to me. Is everything Okay. I mean, I wouldn't do this right away. I think that's very telling if someone's doing that to you. But, you know, if it's a month in, you mm-hmm. know, like be like, if texting is not available to you, you can always do it at night and then we could just talk. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, some people also, you know, contrary to popular belief, some people really do suck at texting and they'd rather just ask them like, you know, if you suck at texting, can we just have a phone call every night mm-hmm. while we get to know each other? And they might say yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can remember, like, I feel like people think that it makes them seem more desirable or something to be like not communicative for me. I just shut down. I'm like, Nope, I can't like, I just can't. But my husband, he's of a different generation. So he is not a texter. He's not glued to his phone all the time. We just never were texting and that was fine because that's just not who he is. But for people who I know are on their phone all the time and they're not answering, I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, let me see if I have one more good one. So this is on your Instagram, but I just wanted to see if you would talk about it here because I think it's a good a good uh, differentiation between settling and settling down. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because <laughs> I feel like people are worried that they're... I think people, especially now with the apps and like so many options and never really fully having to commit because maybe there's something better. I think a lot of people feel like, well, am I settling? So settling is a mindset, right? And settling down is a verb. So if you are a person who wants to settle down, then you have to actually do that. That doesn't mean you're settling. Mm -hmm. And I think people confuse those at all the time. And And it's, it's, it's bound to get confusing because we tend to say settling a lot. And instead you have to say like, I want to settle down. And you know, get rid of those two words in general out of your vernacular. It should just be like, you know, is this someone I could like for the next 20 years, 30 years of my life? Uh, And if it's not, then okay, move on. Like give yourself permission to let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of saying the word settling down or settling, just say, just remove those. Don't talk about those anymore. And just say like, do I, do I like this person? Yeah. Can I like them for 30 more years? Yeah. Okay, great. But I'm not settling. Mm -hmm. This is, this is my person. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Well, I like to ask all of my guests, what's one thing we should or could start doing today and one thing to stop doing today. And you can do that as it applies to dating relationships, whatever. Ooh, um, that's really good. Okay. Um, when is this airing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I might actually put it out next Wednesday. Okay. So we should go online and learn if we are registered to vote 
um, just confirm it. You might think you are and you might not be. So just, just confirm it. It takes one minute, learn if you're registered to vote. And if you're at the right polling place, know where your polling places and know where your primaries are if you're registered with a certain party. And also, you know, remind yourself that, you know, elections are, uh, are, are coming up in November midterm elections. So uh, that is one thing you should be doing um, mm-hmm. today. And what things to, things to stop? Hmm. I don't know. I hate telling adult people what to stop doing. Um, you know, stop putting up photos of your friends online or photos of your nieces and nephews online. That's like grossly inappropriate. The photos should be just a, mostly of just you, unless that you have to put up like a hiking photo with your friend that's not in there, not the center of attention. I can't tell you how many people put photos of like groups of friends. And I'm like, I, I don't care about your group of friends. Um, and, but definitely don't put photos of kids. Even if they're your own kids, don't put photos of kids. Um, there's a way to thread in that you're a, crazy auntie or uncle or a happy and busy single mom or dad without putting your putting kids faces on your Mm -hmm. dating app amazing well where can everybody find you how can people work with you all of that um, you know, the best way to find me is actually on Instagram at matchmaker Maria. If you want to work with me, you can go to agapimatch.com. But I have a lot of other cool stuff on Instagram and the link in my bio there can redirect you to all those different things, um, including, you know, learning about matchmaking, but also learning about our upcoming retreats. Like I have a retreat happening in Greece next month, which that's sold out. But I have another retreat happening in Tulum in November and love to have uh, your listeners join me there. So, you know, we always do fun things like that. And that can be found in the link in my bio on Instagram at Matchmaker Maria. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Ariel. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.